Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And welcome to Real Presence Live. My name is Father Tim Smith, and we're broadcasting in the heart the Real Presence Radio Listening Network this morning from Holy Cross Catholic Church in Ipswich, South Dakota, the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And a good morning and a God bless you to all our listeners in the Upper Midwest here in part of the Real Presence Radio Listening Family. And what a beautiful day the Lord has given us. And we have a great roster of guests that will be joining us to talk about faith and life and sharing the good news of Jesus with every person we meet. Uh, Let's begin this morning's show with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Father in heaven, we ask that you would fill us with your gift of inspiration, and that this inspiration would be the source of all that we do as we go about our daily vocation and our duties and responsibilities, as we continue to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus in our life each and every day, fill us with that grace as we enter into this ordinary time of work and prayer. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And again, my name is Father Timothy Smith, and I'm a pastor of three Catholic parishes right here in the heart of the Midwest. I'm so grateful to be part of the Real Presence Radio listening family, and for all our listeners who join us either on your local uh, AM or FM radio station, part of the Real Presence Radio network, or if you're joining us online or using the Real Presence Radio listening app, you're always a part of the family no matter where you are from. And we're this month of January just celebrating Catholic life and love. And of course, uh, we kicked off, uh, as we entered into the the Christmas season, we have the celebration of the Holy Family, uh, just reminding us that uh, uh, the the family of Jesus and Nazareth, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus is really an inspiration for us to live God's love in our life. And this morning, I'm grateful um, to be joined by uh, someone who has been a great inspiration to me in being a disciple of Jesus. Um, she is a author, an academic, uh, for the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. Um, she's written several books and co-authored others. Um, she works in social media. Uh, she currently works for the Diocese of Winona, Rochester in discipleship and evangelization. And her husband, Jerry, is also uh, a theologian and author of several books on spirituality and Catholic family life. But like all disciples, not only are they teachers, they follow the teacher, Jesus, our Savior, but they live it in their day-to-day life. And so please join um, the conversation. I'd like to welcome my friend, Dr. Susan Winley Doust. Susan, thanks for joining us on Real Presence Live. Oh, thank you. And I, I feel like I need to hang up after that. <laughs> what did I say after that introduction? Well, <laughs> I know. It's fun to be here. <laughs> when you have people in your life that you know and love and that are witnesses uh, to what the Word of God can do in your life, then you want to affirm and acknowledge 
what God does in the life of those people. And so, Susan, thanks for joining us well, on Real you. Presence Live. And for our listeners, uh, uh, when I was a, a, a seminary student uh, 10 years ago at the University of St. Mary of Minnesota in Winona, Minnesota at the Immaculate Heart of Mary Seminary, uh, Dr. Susan Winley Doust was one of my instructors in the theology department. Um, and so, this yeah. for all disclosure, um, I'm a former student of yours, and I'm so glad that we get to work together and sharing the gospel right here on Catholic Radio. Well, amen. Isn't this fun, huh? Something that we wouldn't have uh, foreseen, I think, 10 years ago, but I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, you're, you are a frequent contributor to, to uh, Real Presence Radio and Real Presence Live yeah. throughout the year. Um, remind our listeners what work you're doing now for the Church. Sure. I, I'm Director of Missionary Discipleship for the Diocese of Winona-Rochester, and what that means is I basically keep saying I have two wings to my work for the diocese. One of them is to really uh, help facilitate diocesan outreaches to those uh, outreaches to the lost, let's say, and that is people who are in the pews who do not uh, who are really struggling in, in one way or another um, and need to meet Jesus, the Healer, you know, Jesus, the Savior. They need to be reintroduced, even though He's right there. Um, but need a personal introduction, let's call it, right, to, to, to that kind of discipleship and to realize in a new way the power of Jesus and what he can do to transform their life right here, right now. You know, not, not sometime later, but now. Um, so that's one wing. And the other wing really is more flat-out teaching evangelization, helping parishes think through, it's like, what do we need to do to become evangelizing parishes? And there's lots of things. So I'm a busy woman. <laughs> well, amen to that. And, and there is, as, as working in the heart of the Church myself, and of course, many of our listeners to Real Presence Live are, are people who are volunteers, they're catechists, they're, they're active right. members in, in parish life, wherever they may be in Minnesota, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, parts unknown on the, on the World Wide Web. But we're always looking for those encouragements and those inspirations. And sometimes that, that best witness uh, is a good example or that, that someone who can say, let me show you how I followed the Lord. And a lot of the times that starts right in the heart of family life. And so uh, as we're in this month of January, um, there's a heightened sense of uh, pro-life identity uh, in the life mm -hmm. of the church. Of course, uh, January 22nd is the National Day of Prayer for the Unborn protection of the unborn in the United States. Um, and so we talk about building the culture of life. Uh, Susan, as one of your students, I remember very clearly um, when we were in a university classroom and we read uh, St. John Paul II's beautiful encyclical on the gospel of life and uh, right. how beautiful that is. But sometimes the conversation on building the culture of life can be narrowed to just a few um, hot-and-button issues, particularly the protection of the unborn or the protection of those who are at the late stages of your life, which you yourself are also um, an expert and an academic on in your own uh, writing. You, you wrote uh, a beautiful text on... Uh, I, let me say against if I, Assisted Suicide, yeah. Against Assisted Suicide, which is the title, I believe, is one of the most clever titles I've ever heard. Uh, why to not kill yourself? Is that correct? Did I say that properly? Yeah, why you shouldn't kill yourself. I, I went for the very direct route. Um. That's why I love it. And, uh, okay, good. And, 
And in past Real Presence People Live... People love it or hate it, but well, I, I hope that what's in between the cover is actually pretty good. So. Well, and you, you've masterfully, um, using uh, the writings of the church and, and, and the gospel of life, of have given a great witness and example of, of the topic of euthanasia as well in, in building this culture of life. But today, we're going to, as we're, we're kind of thinking in this mindset, we really want to go back to the Holy Family. We want to think about... Um, you know, what's, what are other ways that really touch the, the deepest parts of our vocation in living the culture of life? And so um, you and your husband, Jerry, um, who also is a published author, he has works available through Dynamic Catholic, um, um, Praying With Your Kids is one that I use as a resource for my own parish families. Um, mm-hmm. so, so not only do you, you both frequently write and, and, and give experience and teaching on Catholic family life, but you have your own vocation as a husband and wife and as a family uh, living the culture of life. So uh, you guys have an experience of, of having an international adoption. Um, why don't you tell us a story about your son, Alex, and, and the journey for you as a family in the story of adoption? Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know we were sort of brainstorming what to talk about because you were mentioning, like, you know, January, sort of focusing on different aspects of um, how do you live a pro-life lifestyle, right, uh, you know, as a, as a Catholic person. And it's like, you know, I, I'm not sure that I really shared our adoption story, and I, it's just that hearing stories like this is part of what really sparked the desire in both me and my husband to go down this route. So, um, here's how it happened. You know, uh, we had uh, three kids biologically at that at the point that we were thinking about this. Um, we were not really thinking about adoption, mainly because, you know, we had friends who were trying to adopt, who were dealing with infertility issues. They were, frankly, having a hard time doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. There are more parents who want to adopt than there are. Um, infants, at least, available for adoption. So it's like, well, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this is something for them. It's not for us. I mean, we would be open to it. But then um, when I was teaching at St. Mary's, uh, the course that you were in, Father Tim, okay, Catholic Social Teaching, I'm always looking for different ways to really introduce, uh, it's like, you know, what are people doing on the ground that can really help us put flesh on these beautiful ideas that come from the heart of the Church about how we live out the Christian life in society? And I came across this organization called Reese's Rainbow, mm. um, which is not a Catholic organization. In fact, it's, it's not a faith-based organization, but everybody involved in this is <laughs> deeply faithful. Um, lots of Catholics, lots of evangelicals. And Reese's Rainbow is basically an organization created by a woman who gave birth to a son with Down syndrome and began just studying everything she could about it and learned that there were a lot of children with Down syndrome in orphanages um, worldwide, but that she was really focusing on Eastern Europe at that time. Mm. And they were available for adoption, but nobody was adopting them. And she had had such, you know, a positive experience uh, raising her biological son with Down mm-hmm. syndrome, she's kind of like, well, what's in the way here? She had a business degree, and she realized, oh, the main thing that's in the way is awareness and money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. I mean, it does cost money to do an international adoption. 
Sure. So she went ahead and she found a way to go ahead and um, find, well, what if we created like little grant funding um, mechanisms so that people could go ahead and donate to these families who are adopting kids with Down syndrome and it would be uh, 5013C. Uh, anyway, anyway, you get the idea. It's like, oh, how clever is that? What a great idea. I'm so glad they're doing that. And I began reading more and more stories about people who are adopting from researching those signs. Wait a minute. We could do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. We could do this. So there's so the, ins- the inspiration. Jerry and and Jerry, yeah. Jerry took a little longer to, to come around to this, not because he didn't think it was a good idea, but he was um, he needed more convincing that it was going to work out uh, on lots of different levels. But when it that uh, came, that came. I, I'm not sure where we are in terms of time, so I, I'm sort of trying to space out the story. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, we have a few minutes before we do our next break. You know, okay. how did you and Jerry are prayerful people? Um, of course, practice of the faith is is a part of your family life. How did yeah. discernment and prayer come uh, with you and Jerry and the, this inspiration? Um, so here we have this beautiful. Yeah proposal in Providence that comes to you through this organization. Right. How did you right. guys enter into this prayerfully um, in, in this journey of love? Right. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, we realized rather quickly that um, this had to be a prayer decision in a big way um, because it became pretty clear that actually we could do this, that we had the financial means and that we would qualify and such. But was God really calling us to do this? So, I mean, I was working with a spiritual director at the time, and it's kind of, you know, I can't shake this idea. I really just can't shake this idea. It's like, well, you know, your husband needs to be on board. You know, what does he think? And it's like, he's a lot more hesitant. It's like, you know, he's suggesting things like maybe doing foster care, which, by the way, would have been a really valuable way to go, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of, well, you need to get on the same page, and the only way that you could do that is by praying individually and praying together on this. So that's exactly what we did. And, you know, as I prayed individually, I just became more and more certain that this is what God wanted us to do. But on the other hand, Jerry was not having that experience. And it's kind of, well, what do you do with that? I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I have to sort of yield to the reality. It's kind of, okay, one of us is um, off here, and it could be me, right? Sure. So uh, I went ahead and proposed this to him sort of one last time. I mean, this took over about a year and a half. Okay. And he said, it's kind of like, you know what, I just don't see how it's going to work. But we ended up going to adoration after that, and he went ahead, and uh, we were just praying, and I was praying to the Lord. It's like, well, Lord, I tried. I guess I'm wrong about this. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll support these families some other way. And Jerry, on the meantime, was having a two-by-four experience with the Lord, <laughs> sure. where the Lord was basically saying, I want you to give this a try. It's like, are you willing to give this a try? And it was so clear that we left adoration, and he pulled me out of church fast, and it's kind of, we need to adopt. Went, That's amazing. You, you, you literally said we weren't, like, an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I, I'm, I'm dead serious. It's like, we need to adopt. I mean, went home, looked at the photos. I mean, it was it was immediate. And like the next day, it's like, maybe we should adopt siblings. It's like, whoa, okay. We are <laughs> going to take a, really 
That's beautiful. We're yeah. going to take a short break here with, with Dr. Susan Winley Douse. We're talking about the journey of an international adoption, and we just heard this beautiful, graced experience in prayer. Um, we'll be taking a short break. We'll be right back right here on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name's Father Tim Smith, and we're broadcasting from Holy Cross Parish in the Diocese of Sioux Falls, and we're celebrating Catholic life and love and and building the the culture of life. And, And my guest this morning is... Dr. Susan Winley Douse of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, um, working in evangelization and sharing uh, her own personal journey uh, with her family, her husband, and her children on international adoption. And if you're with us before the break, uh, we just heard uh, the amazing uh, account of how uh, Susan, you and your husband Jerry, uh, exited the Adoration Chapel and there. Uh, very clearly, your husband and heard the voice of the Lord say, "You know, we're going to do this adoption." So, where do you go from there? Uh, you know, I, you're both now in the discernment and prayer. Um, you've done the research. How? Where does the journey go from there on this international adoption from the country of Ukraine? Yeah, yeah, that's where we ended up um, deciding to adopt, and. Um, 
This was about 10 years ago at this point, so things have changed a little bit, but not a whole lot. I mean, a lot of your listeners probably know if you're going to do an adoption, first you need to have a home study, and you need a particular home study for international adoption, and you need a particular home study for if you're adopting a child with special needs. So we went through that process first, and then if you're adopting internationally, you need to it's almost like doing two adoption processes. You need to uh, adopt the child to be a citizen of the United States, but you also need to go through the adoption process that's mm-hmm. set up in that country. Um, so it gets honestly really complicated. But, you know, the gift of this is you're rarely paving completely new ground here. I mean, people have done it before you, and there are people who will assist you and so forth. You know, we did end up doing this through Reese's Rainbow because that's who we were familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't actually facilitate the adoption per se, but they connect you with people who will. Mm -hmm. Um, They're really more of an awareness and grant-raising organization. Uh, But there's also a huge community of people who um, have done international adoption of kids with special needs through Reese's Rainbow. And, I mean, to this day, there is still an enormous, enormous support to us. So we ended up doing a lot of paperwork. I know uh, people have asked me, like, what was harder, you know, actually the adoption process or, you know, actually being pregnant and giving birth? And it's like, well, it sort of depends right on everything. Sure. (laughs) It's most difficult in their own way. Um, But I wouldn't say it was necessarily more difficult. And, in fact, in our case, it was about the same amount of time. It was nine months, which is a a short-term um, time frame for international adoption, by the way. That's it's incredible. It's often more like yeah. a year or two years, but for us it was nine months. And um, and we had a real urgency to try to do this as quickly as possible because we were able to settle on um, one child that mm-hmm. we were going to try to adopt. It, it's not a sure thing until you get there. Uh, but, you know, we knew that his needs were significant enough that we needed to get him to the United States and get um, better medical care than, than Ukraine just it just simply doesn't have um, as soon as we could. So so that's our Alex, and um, Alex has cerebral palsy. Um, he is gets around in a wheelchair. Um, he has some intellectual disability as well, um, but, you know, those disabilities are part of his life. They do not define him, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he is uh, a son of the father. Right, he is an absolutely adorable kid. Um, he is funny, funny, funny. You know, he is absolutely loved um, by his brothers and sisters here, and loved by us. And everybody, you know, he goes to public schools, and everybody keeps saying, it's "Like this kid is seriously such a light." You know, wow, <laughs> he's, he's just a fun, um, really nice kid, and he's even on student council this year at his middle school. So. <laughs> That's, that's incredible. I didn't see coming, but but yeah, I mean, it just sort of speaks. You know, the thing that is just a, a reminder about this is, um, yeah, in Ukraine, and I'm not going to be negative about Ukraine because it's, we met so many incredible people there that have been living under some really challenging, challenging circumstances in that country, mm-hmm. um, as well as people at that were um, working in that orphanage. I mean, there were, there were people who were doing the absolute best they could, but. 
those orphanages are just not funded. Um, and they're really a little bit like dumping grounds, especially for kids with special needs. Sure. That whole country really suffers like so many other Eastern Bloc countries with an attitude that really came from being part of the Soviet Union that if you're not useful, then you're not part of the society and you're basically shut off. So that's kind of the attitude. When people have children that have obvious special needs, they're strongly encouraged and frankly expected to put them in orphanages, sure. which is a sad, sad situation that um, lots of people are working to change. But the reality is there are kids who need families right now. Um, you know, social and cultural change takes a long time. But we, getting back to the pro-life lifestyle here, you know, you don't do this to be pro-life. But if you are living um, accord as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you look for, you know, who's in need. And you question, is this a place where I'm called to help? And we adopted Alex mostly because God called us to make him part of our family. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a political statement or anything like that. It was just simply, God loves families, you know? <laughs> and God loves people, and giving people the best chance that they can in life, and we could be a small part of that and sort of uh, be part of spreading that, that story. So, so I mean, really, there have been really difficult times. I'm not going to completely whitewash this. Sure. Uh, but on the other hand... It's really been such a gift. I would really encourage people to consider this. You know, it's kind of this. It looks um, for so many people to be so much scarier than it actually is. Mm. Raising kids with special needs is a lot like raising kids without special needs. It's raising kids, period. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and it's a beautiful testimony, you know, from. Uh, and, and to know that all of life has uh, challenges and difficulties, um, but with God's grace, um, nothing is impossible with God. And as um, this wasn't a decision, as you mentioned, made from any ideological perspective or anything. It was rooted in love, and, and those are the, it's, love is the greatest of all the virtues, as St. Paul reminds us. So, you know, I imagine, Susan, some people uh, may ask you, perhaps privately, you know, has this been difficult on your family, um, difficult maybe with your other kids? Uh, you mentioned foster care, uh, other opportunities to, you know, care for children that have needs. And I know of other families that, that do foster care, and they, they welcome mm-hmm. children into their home. And people may ask right. them, too, is that difficult for your family? What would you say to that question? Well, I can't speak with foster care for sure. And, you know, again, I want to be sort of clear-eyed about this in that, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes bringing children in, who, especially if they have come from traumatic backgrounds, um, requires a a lot of sacrifice um, on behalf of, you know, the parents, but also the siblings. And you have to sort of look at that very, very carefully. You know, having said that, um, you know, in our case, and in most cases, in most cases, things, there's so much beauty in it. You know, uh, it's kind of good. People did actually really corner us. It's kind of, you know, you're, you're really hurting the kids that you already have, which is frankly offensive um, mm-hmm. because they love, they love Alex, and Alex loves them. And, you know, they gained a brother, and they're, I mean, you ask any one of them, and they all say that they're going to adopt when they grow up. Mm. Every single one of them. 
It's like, yeah, that's horrible. That's absolutely, it clearly <laughs> killed them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that, but I mean, that, they, they see it all as all positive, and, you know, there's a lot, people are very quick to say that there's, uh, every adoption begins with a certain amount of trauma, you know, it's part of the brokenness of the human condition. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, God has a way of bringing good out of that brokenness. And, and so to be a part of that and to allow God to, to pour himself into this situation, even when it was uncomfortable and we weren't sure what was going to happen next, has been um, just a, a beautiful, beautiful way to witness God's work in the world. And that what a beautiful testimony from from the 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 voices and the discernment of your own children um, that they desire to in them, themselves to build up that culture of love in their own lives by by sharing love with with those in need uh, really being right. disciples of Jesus um, you know Susan if someone's interested in learning more about adopting kids with special needs internationally where would you recommend for them to start looking um, in their own journey if God's calling them to this. Um, sure. I mean, I think there are lots of places, and I do think it's wise to um, connect with people who have already been down this road. I mean, there's also ways to adopt children with special needs, um, not internationally, right, you know, domestically. So if your diocese or, or, or your state's Catholic charities um, that has adoption services, you know, you could certainly call them and just have a conversation about it, and they're going to be a great resource as well. You can certainly connect with Reese's Rainbow. Um, they have a very big web presence, so you could just look that up. Reese's um, named after the founder's son, Reese, so it's R-E-E-C-E-S, rainbow.org. But Reese's Rainbow is a good resource. Um, there's also uh, another online resource named Rainbow Kids. Mm-hmm. And if you click on special needs, they give you a lot of articles about what to expect and not expect and... Um, yeah, there, there's lots of details in the process, but the only thing that you can do really is to start digging and start praying. I would really encourage that you pray about this with somebody who is wise um, to be, you know, a good sounding board for this. And talk to your priest. Uh, they're, they're great, great encouragement in that in that journey of prayer. Lastly, Susan, yeah, if I could just add one more thing about sure. that. It's like you know, we we got a lot of pushback, to be honest, when we said that we were adopting Alex because people thought, like, oh my gosh, you guys are like saviors of the world or whatever. I mean, they they did not mean that in a good way because who would? There's only one sure. savior. Um, but I tell you. Be constant in this, is that every Catholic priest we talked to immediately said, that's fantastic, how can I help? Mm. So, I mean, really, what a witness to our priesthood, and I'm still grateful to this day. Lastly, Susan, uh, where are you going to be at tonight? You're going to do an evangelization topic. Where are you talking tonight? Yeah, I'm talking at St. James Coffee in Rochester, so if you're anywhere nearby, it's at 7.30, and I'm talking about Discipleship Quads, which is a small group evangelization opportunity. You don't need to sign any dotted line uh, to come and hear what I have to say. It would be fun to meet you all, and it's at 7.30 at St. James Coffee in Rochester. God bless you, and thank you for joining us again. We'll talk again. You'll be on Real Presence Live again down the road this year, I know. Um, Thanks for joining us. We're going to take a short break. Uh, We have next a great testimony about the infant of Prague. Stay tuned right here on Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. 
This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 